Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen of Hemel Hempstead. We wish as we do. Once a week we come out and we declare the precious message of the Bible that God sent his Son into the world to save sinners. I want to take from my text this afternoon some words that we find in Paul's letter to the Galatians and the sixth chapter where Paul is declaring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul was once a very proud religious Jew who was lost, who had a mere religiosity about himself, but he did not know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a lost man, but God brought him to repentance and faith and the knowledge in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says some tremendous things here about the Lord Jesus Christ and that way of salvation. Paul tells the Galatians to stand fast in the liberty and the freedom of Christ. And Paul has been telling the Galatians that there is no other way of reconciliation than that through the blood of his dear son which he shed for sinners. And Paul says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to speak on that very subject here this afternoon. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now many of you passing by might have a cross around your neck. Or perhaps you're somebody who would worship a cross. Or you might even kiss a cross. You might belong to the Roman Catholic Church or something like that. And you worship that cross. But you really know nothing about that very person who was upon that cross. And I want to bring your mind's eye of attention to here this afternoon to focus sharply and keenly upon the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why Paul could say, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul once boasted in the law. He once boasted in the law of God. Until of course he realized that as a sinner he was a breaker of the law. That he was actually condemned under the law of God. So each and every one of us, the Bible says that every mouth is stopped. Every mouth is silenced by the law of God. My friends, as sinners we have all come short of God's law, of God's requirements. The Bible tells us that if a man does not continue in the law to do what the Lord says, that man is forever cursed. You see, God is, my friends, holy. We must understand here this afternoon, ladies and gentlemen of Hemel Hempstead, I wish for you to understand 
the God with whom we have to do. God of heaven is not capricious. Uh, he does not change his mind either. He is of one mind, we told. And God is of pure eyes. We're told then to behold iniquity. God cannot behold sinners. The sight of sin, as God looks down, the scriptures declare he sees none that are righteous. No, not one. I mean, look at Hemel Hempstead today. I don't mean to condemn you all. The people are taken up with all kinds of things rather than eternity and a God with whom we have to do. People will spend today, after a, a week's work, it's Saturday today, the walk in the shop and uh, spend your week's earnings or your month's earnings. Maybe you're looking around for Christmas presents to buy loved ones and friends and uh, you're consumed with that object that you bought now and you're going to spend perhaps the rest of the afternoon consumed with that object. But my friend, God has brought you into this world. God has made you. God has created you. And yet we buy objects, we buy things from the shops and we idolize those things. They consume our time, our thoughts and our affections. We devote ourselves to things, to clothing, to fashion. These things consume. We speak of a consumer society today. And that's how the world is. It's consumed with things and stuff. But my friend, let me tell you this. You have a body that is going to die one day. But you have a soul that will live on forever. And if you know not God, and if you know not the way of salvation in Jesus Christ, my friend, you will be lost. So I want to speak about this cross that Paul said that he boasted in. He said he wouldn't boast in anything else. Man boasts in everything. He boasts in his degrees. He boasts in his children, in his learning, in his business, in his acumen, in his attainments. But really, at the end of the day, what is man? If our years be 20 years, if our years be 30 years, 40 years, 60, maybe 80, and if you're fortunate, perhaps 100 years, what is man? What is your life? The Bible is constantly asking this question, what is man but vapor at his best? Man is vanity at his best. Even Solomon, who had acquired a vast amount of wealth, and even knowledge. He realized at the end of this life all is vanity. What profit a man after all his labor under the sun? What is man? He is a boasting, proud, arrogant creature. But my friend, that's why I want to bring you to the cross in your mind's eye here this afternoon. And why you may be able to say with Paul, God forbid, that I should glory in anything else save in the cross of our Lord Jesus. Because there on the cross was God the Son who created you, me, the whole world. The scriptures say all things were made by Him and for Him. And the scriptures say without Him 
nothing was made that is made. Jesus Christ, the very creator of the heavens and the earth, my friends, came as the scriptures prophesied, stepped into time, space and history. And the Bible says God was manifest in the flesh. My friends, the Jehovah's Witnesses are guilty of a terrible heresy. And that is to suggest that Jesus Christ is not God. He is very God. The Bible says God was manifest in the flesh. We're told in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, and we are told, and the Word was made flesh. My friends, when you go into those shops this afternoon and you go to buy a gift, and you are so-called celebrating this time of Christmas, which we call the Advent, what is it exactly you think Christians are celebrating? The most profound event of all history, God sending His Son into this world. The scriptures say in Galatians 4 and verse 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, made under the law. And so Jesus Christ came into this world, my friends, and then He lived a glorious, wonderful life. Jesus Christ, creator of all things, yet became man, lived among sinners in this world, the Bible says he was without sin. Thank you. You're doing a great job. He was without sin. Holy, harmless, undefiled. And my friends, Jesus Christ is a wonderful Savior. And I tell you, every eye will see him. All the people here in Hemel Hempstead will see the Lord Jesus Christ one day. And you will behold him. The very creator of the world. What did he do after his life of 33 years? Of that profound life. That glorious life. I tell you what he did. He said, It is the Father's will that I should lay down my life for my sheep. Having lived as the good shepherd. He came into this world. And then... He was taken to a cruel cross, knowing all of this, that he would do that, that he would have to do that, that he would have to bear the punishment, that he would have to bear the sin of his people, that he would have to be the sin bearer, that he would have to suffer, that he would have to die. That's why he came. And that's why Paul said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus because friends there upon the cross suspended between earth and heaven was God the creator Jesus Christ in the flesh God was manifest in the flesh and here is the wonder of wonders that God in the flesh in the person of his son should lay down his life for guilty sinners, for all of his people, they will hear his word. He will die for their sin, and now they will come to him. 
He said, my sheep hear my voice. Let me ask here this afternoon, are there any amongst the people of Henlehamstead that could say, the Lord truly is my shepherd. I am one of his sheep. I know I'm a great sinner. They can say with John Newton, but I have a great saviour. My friends, if you cannot say I am a great sinner, you're lost. You have no hope. And especially if you cannot say I have a saviour, you're a man, a woman, a woman, a boy and a girl that is lost. And there is no worse place to be right now than to be lost, to be without hope, to be without forgiveness of sins. My friends, this is a terrible world. You know, we hear this noise in the background. There are noises everywhere, not just here upon the high street. But there are many things trying to vie and get man's attention. But my friend, in this book, in God's book, he speaks. And he speaks to his people. And he says to them, peace, peace. There is peace, my friend. For the sinner that comes by faith in Jesus Christ, there is peace. Peace with heaven and that sinner that truly repents and believes on the Lord Jesus. There is no peace apart from Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. There is no peace with God. You can't earn it. God will never accept a man for what he is because what is a man? A man is a sinner. A man is sin. And is without hope. Peace, my friends, is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. He has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. My friend, I exhort you today, amidst all this noise and commotion, amidst the busyness of life, your days are few. And the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Turn to him while he is near. My friend, there is a day when every one of us will have to stand before the Lord. I tell you this, if you know not this cross and the person upon this cross, He's no longer on that cross. That's why we glory in that cross, because the one on that cross, not only did he die in his body, but he was raised from the dead to die no more, but to come again. It's an empty cross, my friends, and it's an empty tomb. And his empty tomb means everybody's empty tomb means everybody's empty grave. The Lord Jesus said, Marvel not, the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall come out of the grave. And it's going to be a day of judgment when everyone shall have to give an account of himself. Do you glory in Jesus Christ? Or do you scoff? Do you despise? 
the cross of our Lord Jesus? Do you have a cross merely as an ornament on you? As a good luck charm? As some sort of uh, object you think is going to keep you safe? And my friends, it's not so much the cross, but it's the one upon that cross where the sinner that is saved has his hope. It is in Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. No. On nobody else but Jesus. Christ is that solid rock, my friend. And without Him, you have no foundation to stand before God. You have no hope of eternal life. But my friend, it is the free gift of God to all His people who would look to this cross and live and look to the one who, who died upon that cross to give them eternal life. Jesus Christ, my friend, gives eternal life to unworthy sinners. Yes, eternal life. Why glory in this life? Why glory in anything else? It's self. Self who's a sinner. Why glory in yourself? Why glory in man who fades as the grass? Why glory in man who fades as the grass? Why glory in the religions of this world? but glory in God and in the person of Jesus Christ. My friend, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Seek the Lord, friend, as a sinner today. Give your soul no rest till you know this one who died on the cross to save his people. Amen. Yeah, good afternoon everyone. And I'm a Christian here. I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ. Something that I believe you need to know. And I'd like to read from my Bible this afternoon. From Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And it reads, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, and it is appointed unto men to die. And after this, the judgment. Now, many people believe that once you die, you cease to exist. There's nothing beyond the grave. But is that what the truth is? Because you need to know what the truth is. Because once you die, it's too late. As I've just read, judgment is what comes after death. And you need to prepare for this judgment because it's real, it's coming. And so, what lies ahead? But before we get there, my question is, why do we have to be judged? I mean, that would be a fair question to ask. Why do we have to be judged? Well, the Bible says that for all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All everyone have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now you may ask that what is sin? Now the Bible calls sin transgression against God's law. Disobedience to what God commands. 
And there are two commandments God has given us. Well, the first one is that you should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being. You should love God with every ounce of your existence. And the second one is you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, let's talk briefly about the first one. Because you can't do the second one if you don't obey the first. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love God. Now, what does God mean that you should love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being? Well, God commands that you love him because he created you. He made you what you are today. You see, the food that you eat, the clothes you wear, your ability to do what you do, all gifts given to you by God. And God commands that you should love him because he is your creator. He owes God everything that you are. Now, you might have been led to believe that this is different. But you see, the Bible is the truth whether you believe it or not. The Bible is true regardless of what you think of it. And when God says that you've not loved him as you ought to, when he says that you've sinned against him, then God must be correct. Now, as I mentioned, sin is disobedience to God's law. You know, every society has a law. And when God says that the soul that sin must die, then this is what judgment is all about after death. So God commands <clears throat> that you love him with all your heart and all your soul and all your being. And you understand whether you love God through his Ten Commandments. So let me start with the first one. Now God commands that thou should not have any other God apart from him. Now what that means basically is that God should be the only God that you worship. God as he reveals himself in scripture. Now I'll move on to the second. The second one is thou shalt not make for thyself a graven image. So that you shall not make representation of God apart from what he has revealed in his word. Now move on to the third one. The third one reads as this. That thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now isn't that true? That that is almost universally done today. I heard it so many times. People naming the name of God as a replacement for a four-letter filthy word beginning with F. Well, God says that he shall not hold guiltless those who call his name in vain. And then I go on to the fourth one. says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So which means that Sunday is a day that God commands that we cease from all necessary work and devote that day to worshiping him. So if we look by those standards that I mentioned, those four commandments, will you be guilty or will you be guiltless? Well, if you're honest with yourself, you'll be guilty of those four commandments. You'll be guilty of breaking God's law. Well, let me move on. I'll move on to the fifth. Now, the fifth commandment reads like this. Honor your father and your mother that it shall be well with you on earth. Now, children, God commands that you honor your parents, that you obey them, that you respect them. Do you do that? What about you? You're an adult today. 
Have you always obeyed your parents? Have you always respected your parents? But let me move on to the sixth commandment. And the sixth commandment reads that thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit murder. You should not murder somebody else. Now, you might say that, well, I'm not guilty of that. I've never killed anybody. But you see, God's law goes a bit further than we human beings think. God looks at the heart. And God says that if you hate someone, then you've already committed, broken that law. You've already murdered them in your heart. So you don't actually need to get to the point where you physically kill somebody to break that law. Just hatred in your heart renders you guilty of breaking the sixth commandment. Let me move on to the seventh. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, what does that mean? It means that you should be engaged in a relationship with your wife or your husband and no other. So no um, extramarital relationships or premarital relationships. Move on to the eighth. Thou shalt not steal. Well, any form of theft is sin. So maybe you steal your employer's time, meant to be doing your work, but you're doing other activities on your employment time, that is theft. Maybe you're giving the wrong change. And you didn't report the excess change that you were given. Again, that is theft. Various forms. What about number nine? Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. I mean, so what does that mean? It means basically you should always tell the truth. Never lie about anybody. Either under oath or even to your friends. Always tell the truth. And then the final commandment, thou shalt not covet. So be content with what you have. Don't desire something that belongs to somebody else. So when you look at those Ten Commandments, God declares that we've all broken those Ten Commandments. We're all guilty of it. And he demands that those who break his law must be punished. But God in his mercy, he came in the person of his son. And he came to this world to live a life for his people that his people cannot live obeying God perfectly. And when he did that, he went onto the cross. He went there to suffer punishment, to die a painful death, so that God's people can receive forgiveness of sin. And what do you need to do? Well, God commands that you repent. It means you turn away from your sins. Stop looking for excuses. Admit that you've sinned against God. But not only that, it also commands that you put your faith in Jesus Christ as the only one who can help you or who can save you from your sins. Quit thinking that you can obey God by yourself. You can't. God has declared that you can't, so you can't. What you need is to come to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you. Repent of your sins, turn away from them. Quit excusing them. Find excuses for your sins and turn to Christ for salvation. Well, we'll be meeting tomorrow at the Nationals Village Hall between, at 10.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the evening, and you'll be welcome. Thank you.